Live from the Battleborn Broadcast Center, it's Cofield and Company. All right, here we go to Wednesday. You heard it, Cofield and Company, Battleborn Broadcast Center. Ari's back in the Finley Toyota Studios. Angel's helping us out here. John Von Tobel is the company. It's Cofield. It's Trending at 3, presented by Nova Home Loans. Call now at 877-700-NOVA. Crazy freaking day. The news keeps on coming. So many stories. Uh, and as I've joked, the last couple of Wednesdays and Thursdays, a trip back in time. I feel like we start, or we started every show about uh, seven months ago with a COVID update of players who are on the COVID list. And we got a bunch today. Lamar Jackson, Ravens, has tested positive. The Raiders, that just came across, have put Jalen Richard and Theo Riddick on the reserve COVID-19 list. Doesn't mean they're tested positive, but they could have been exposed. And we do know that uh, Jalen Richard is an anti-vaxxer. Uh, and that's not to dig at him because he's anti-vaccine going back way before the COVID vaccine. It's pretty much everything across the board. Uh, Aaron Nola of the Phillies has said he's not taking the vaccine. He's not going to explain it. It's a personal choice. It's his right. Uh, he missed about 12 days a while back mm -hmm. with the Phillies. Uh, the Phillies are nowhere near the vaccine threshold in Major League Baseball, and they've continued to have issues week to week, having to put players on the COVID list. Today's Phillies-Nationals game dumped, canceled. Please. Trey Turner was out of the Nationals game last night. With COVID, a lot of people thought that was he was uh, being pulled for a trade, which I still find absurd that Trey Turner could actually be traded from the Nationals. Uh, the Nationals are above the 85% limit, so the Nationals losing a game here. I don't know, you know, what the issue is specifically yet, if it's Trey Turner or if it's the Phillies. But it's still here, folks. It's annoying. It's still part of the sports world. We'll get to the Raiders update on how their vac situation is going because obviously covid was a disaster for the raiders last year uh you know they lost games outright because of shortages of players they got fined over a million dollars so there you go happy happy joy joys for coming here on a wednesday but it is part of the story it's pretty crazy so those are th three of the big headlines we've got baseball trade deadline coming up on friday uh, just saw a minor deal the astros just added uh, Yimmy Garcia, formerly of the Dodgers, was with the Marlins, doing a pretty good job with the Marlins. So the Astros have now added uh, two guys who've actually piled up a bunch of saves this year uh, in Kendall Graveman yesterday and Yimmy Garcia today. So those are some of the trades. And then the big one, uh, and again, this is encouraging for baseball. It, it also unveils the big lie around baseball that uh, certain clubs don't have money. Everyone's got money with rev sharing and the TV stuff. How about the A's jumping in front of a lot of the supposed big boys and the A's have landed? Starling Marte. And going to the Marlins in that deal, John, is a former aviator, Jesus Lazardo, once a top 50 prospect in baseball, once at the top of the rankings for the A's organization amongst minor leaguers. But the A's, like the Rays, making waves. Yeah, it's an interesting wave, too, because it is not a guarantee that Sterling, Starling Marte is going to be there next year, right? This could be a relatively expensive rental. 
So you would think that you got to do something, and they're beating the crap out of the Padres right now, but you would think that you don't make this move and trade a guy like Lazardo, and not like Lazardo's like this game changer, but he's still a pretty high-end prospect for them. You would think that you have an inkling that Marte's going to sign with you for a long term, right? You don't just make this move as a rental for a wild card spot because it looks like that's what they're going to have to deal with at this point right now because I don't know if they're going to catch the Astros. Uh, by the way, just to go back to the COVID thing real quick, because I said I don't know you know, if there's an issue with uh, Jalen Richard going on the uh, COVID list. Field Yates, well, I said the issue was, I don't know if he tested positive or if it's a contact. Field Yates just tweeted out, and I don't know if he's including the Raiders, because that just came out, the two Raiders who were on the list, uh, that another 24 players were placed on the reserve COVID list today, 22 being the result of a positive test of the 24. Hmm. So... I suppose we'll we'll keep looking for updates. I suppose the uh, both of the Raiders could be free of a positive test, but yeah, both uh, it's Theo Riddick and Jalen Richard going on the reserve COVID nineteen list. Uh, so back to the baseball trade deadline, turning at three. A lot of big names out there. Starling Marte, I think, on most lists was around like seven, eight, nine. You know, most impactful guy who could be dealt. Max Scherzer is probably number one. Mm-hmm. If you want to put him over Chris Bryant, you want to put him over closer Craig Kimbrell. Read last night, uh, one of the baseball insiders said that 14 teams had called on Scherzer, including some that aren't even really in the race for the playoffs. Uh, I've seen other reports saying it's down to eight teams. This is going to get real juicy. And remember, you know, one of the big things that turned the tide in and around baseball years ago was Justin Verlander on the trade market. Astros got him. Yankees, Dodgers didn't. Astros go on to win a World Series. Yankees haven't since. Uh, Dodgers could have, I think, with Verlander. This could be one of those moves where Scherzer goes somewhere and actually signs there, too, and becomes an impact guy for the next you know, two or three years as a top-of-the-rotation dude at 37 years old. Oh uh, Well, first off, the, um, the Astros also gave Justin Verlander a bunch of spider tech, so that's probably what helped him out there in terms of the turnaround. Spider tech? Yeah. Um, spin rate. Other stuff. Yeah, right. Spin rate just really spiked all of a sudden with him and Gary Cole. Um, no, I, look, I think Scherzer uh, is is that game changer. Personally, I would put him on top. I think you can never have enough pitching, especially when you have high-end pitching, like a Max Scherzer type who can get you to the seventh inning, and then you just got to really trust, you know, short end of your bullpen to get the job done from there. And I know that the three NLS teams have kind of emerged as maybe at the top of the list. And – it sounds like he is willing to sign an extension and stay wherever he goes. It depends on where he wants to go. So if it is the three NL West teams, do you not pick the Giants? Mainly because, and this is my thinking, so tell me if I'm wrong about this, they have a three-game lead over the Los Angeles Dodgers. If you go to San Francisco, you're obviously going to play a hand in maintaining that lead over the Los Angeles Dodgers. I just, If you're Scherzer, do you risk going to the Dodgers or the Padres to play in a wild card game? Do they not make it potentially to the actual postseason? In spite of what you may hear on commercials we run, I'm still not super confident that the Giants are winning the division. Mm. <laughs> they keep winning. They keep doing Watch it. again last night. They, they won do. again. Like the Dodgers can't solve the mystery. What? I still think the Pod. I think the Padres and the Dodgers with Scherzer, uh, whoever gets them, will surpass the Giants. Okay, and that depends on who the Giants get. If the Giants don't get Scherzer and they get more help, you know they may be looking for some bullpen help, some outfield help. Some starting pitching help. I think they should be looking for starting pitching help. I think some of their guys have done this with smoke and mirrors. But no, I no, I would go to well, I would go to any of the three teams. I think they're all very good teams. Right. And obviously, if I'm you know, if I'm speaking like a human being, uh, not that I'm living there, I'm not buying a house there, 
but uh, you know, they're all cool places to play baseball. I'd pick San Diego. In and live in San Diego. If we're talking, they're, just the they're all awesome city. places. No, San Diego. Um, you're <laughs> if I were ranking them, <laughs> San Diego. Um, yeah, it's probably San Diego, San Fran, and then LA. There it is. Sorry, LA. Um, if we're going by uniforms, that's another story. Unless I get a helicopter, go to the games, and then LA's number one. Uh, but no, I think like that was my only thinking. Like I think you're right. Like in any one of the three, like especially if it's the Dodgers, you, you're right. Like they can't figure out the Giants. Think about the way that they haven't been able to figure out the Giants. Though, right? We talked about the check swing last week. That should not have been. Uh, you talk about the fact that last night it's a throwing error from Cody Bellinger that seals the deal for them, right, against the Giants. It's really weird that they haven't been able to figure out the Giants, but it's also been things that have either been shooting themselves in the foot or out of their control. And yet here they are three games back with plenty of time to surpass them. And I agree with you. There are guys on that roster that you're getting a lot from that you probably shouldn't be getting from over the course of this season, but they are. And so maybe that starts to regress, especially in the starting pitching. But adding a Max Scherzer at the top of your rotation – Maybe it allows you to keep those two at arm's length. So last night, I think you were sleeping because you're doing the 4 a.m. show on VSIN, and I was blowing you up on text about USA basketball. We'll Quite get to the that. saga. We'll get to that in a second. I was going, you know, kind of up and down with the game and the uh, potential of the non-cover at minus 42. But one of the other things that came down late night was on the heels of Simone Biles saying that she needed to be out of the team competition. And we'll get much more explanation on what what is wrong with Simone Biles. Uh, she's now bailing on the individual all-around competition and as it says here to focus on her mental health uh lots of support for her, but then there are a lot of people who are saying why are we celebrating quitting well i mean i don't think it's necessarily quitting if she feels like she's not in the mental space to perform at a very high level and by the way again i'm not a gymnast so i'm just going to take everything coming from former gymnasts at their word if indeed she is suffering from what they call the twisties then that sounds like something relatively serious. It could be dangerous. That could be dangerous and injure her for a long time, if not a little bit more seriously. You've seen multiple gymnasts come out and say the move that she attempted, the last one that threw her off, most would have blown out their knees, would have been injured, that it was amazing that she even landed the one move that she did. It is funny how the uh, average person does not process the danger element of gymnastics because they make it look so easy. Bro. What they're doing is incredible. Uh, you know, I'm lucky if I can even do a cartwheel and, you know, these people are twisting themselves in the air five times and then somehow landing on their feet. It's one. incredible. I'll tell you, one of the cool things about the story is that women are actually rallying behind women. Mm -hmm. Right. Rachel Nichols. Lee Andrews. <laughs> Rhea Taylor. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. Back each other up. Power in numbers. Otherwise, many of us guys look at women and they're like divide amongst yourselves and you're conquered why do you go after my, my girl malika andrews so i saw no i'm just saying in that whole thing i didn't say malika andrews did anything <laughs> wrong or, or maria taylor did anything wrong but you see there was infighting there right yeah uh deb carson who's an update person on uh, fox sports said simone biles said tuesday was really stressful adding that she had never felt like this going into a competition when you hear talking heads rip her remind yourself that few none of you have ever competed with this kind of pressure in a delayed olympics during a uh, during pandemic circumstances, uh, Stormy Bonatoni, who uh, was quite the athlete in high school, said, feeling terrible for Simone Biles. Can't imagine what she's going through, not trusting herself in her skills. Mental blocks in gymnastics are a very real, scary thing, especially at the level in which she competes. Being the slightest bit off can be extremely dangerous. Uh, dangerous. And then uh, Jenna Lane, who I guess has a uh, background as well. She's a, a reporter for ESPN.com covering the Buccaneers, said, these aren't merely butterflies. She lost special... I think she meant to say spatial, but uh, she lost 
spatial awareness on her vault, which is incredibly dangerous. And that's wonderful that you've done a cartwheel, uh, you know, now attempt a, I can't even pronounce this, or Yurchenko double pike I'm gonna... and try to do it. So I think she did mean to say spatial because she deleted the tweet. Oh, she did? Yeah. Oh, well, good thing. Good thing. Uh, <laughs> good, good thing Steve Cofield's research team captures everything <laughs> right. just in case it's deleted. Uh, All right. We, we have a lot more on Biles uh, in just a little bit. We have a lot more on mental health throughout the show because I think there's we're on the edge of something really interesting because if athletes are, some are being embraced, right? When they have mm-hmm. mental health issues, other people are saying, Hey, this is ridiculous. Fight through adversity. This is something I think that will filter. I'll call it down to almost every workplace, right? And how do workplaces handle mental health issues? We'll talk the legal side of it with Justin Watkins, ESPN, Las Vegas legal insider here in about 10 minutes. So as I said, also trending, USA basketball. I'm rooting about as hard as I can for USA basketball now because of some of the nonsense I heard the last couple of days. You say you're and, in it, and it's not new. Believe me, I've been doing this long enough, going all the way back you know, to 96, but uh, going all the way back to 2004 when USA basketball struggled in 2004 and 2006. Mm-hmm. I could see the daggers come out, and there are people who I think for obvious reasons don't like the U.S. basketball team and the stuff that has happened since. I mean, there's a myriad of reasons that people will hold up to say, hey, they don't like NBA players. I'm rooting hard for them. And I got to tell you, last night, even though it was an absolute blowout against Iran, it was a 940 start. I, I watched the game. It was 120-66. I was completely into the game from, oh, I don't know, the middle of the first quarter when I could find it mm-hmm. uh, all the way through the end. I really enjoyed it, and I really had appreciation for some of the stuff I saw. Uh, Iran stinks. Right. You know, they've got Hamed Haddadi, who played in the NBA, who's kind of an amazing character at 7'2 and like 300 pounds and balding and all grayed up and really can't move, 36 years old. But he knows he knows how to play the game. Really good passer. Um, but they did what they needed to. There's still a lot of work to be done. But I will tell you, the roster, while it may be clunky and not have you know enough true point guards, my God, the talent is ridiculous. When people are like, oh, it's the B squad. Now that they've added Booker, Middleton and Holiday from the NBA Finals. This is a crazy loaded team. And when they're shooting threes, holy moly. Yep. So good performance. It's not a finished product, but that was nice last night. And in your face, if you're rooting against them, look up yours. I think if you have watched them in the friendlies, which not a lot of people have watched every single one of their friendlies, the, the problem for them has been twofold. It has been a time for the most part. It's been their half court offense. Like their half court offense this time has not been good. But the other part has been if you like, especially the the la- like the last few shots against France, the wide open shot from Drew Holiday, the offensive rebounding which led to open three point shots. They just weren't hitting them. So the three point shooting has been a little fickle. We'll call it that for them through the friendlies and up until this point. But they'll start to get the flow of it. Three point line is shorter. I think that that is part of it, right? Like when you step to the line as an NBA player, you have a feeling for what your shot should be, and all of a sudden you're three inches closer right, in terms of your three-point shooting if you're right on the line. So it takes time to get that down as well. How many times have I told you this? They are going to get better as this tournament goes along. And games like this help. I know it's lesser competition, but just getting a feel of it, getting into the flow of your offense, feeling one another, being able to operate against a warm body instead of against air, it's going to help you out. And they're going to be just fine. And by the way, you see what France did to the Czech Republic today? France is a pretty good team. 
Nova Home Loans brings you Trending at 3. It's a refi rate at Nova Home Loans. With interest rates at all-time lows, now's the time to talk to your local Nova loan officer. 877-700-NOVA. Now, back to Cofield and Company. Well, I think every man, every woman, every person has their own opinion on what they want to do. You know, there's some people that are strongly opposed to getting a vaccination. You know, I can't speak for everybody. I respect everybody's opinion. I don't want to create any controversies or any distractions. It's a little different because it's new, right? You know, uh, you know, the other ones was measles, mumps, you know, all those kind of things, hepatitis B, you know, you know, this one was new. So got, so people and families have certain opinions. If someone wants to ask me my opinion, absolutely. I'm sharing my opinion. Absolutely. You know, but if, if they don't want my opinion, I don't think it's my right to go tell them what to do, especially in America. You know, I, I don't think it's my right to do that. Rolling on on a Wednesday, just starting off here at the Battleborn Broadcast Center, ESPN Las Vegas Legal Insider. Justin Watkins is in with us. JVT is here. Derek Carr and John Gruden talking about the vaccine and talking to others about the vaccine. A lot of legal stuff, Justin, that I see spewed from uh, Twitter lawyers, Twitter attorneys. And I look at it a lot of times and I'm like, eh, I don't know if that's the case. But maybe some of them are right. And by the way, I'm joking about actual attorneys. It's everyone out there immediately calling for... This is a legal violation. It's time to sue. So we start with the, the latest note from Cole Beasley, who's been you know pretty strong on his desire not to take the vaccine. He's the Bills wide receiver. Uh, he sent out a letter today. He said, I'm not anti or pro-vax. I'm pro-choice. He says the issue at hand is information that's being withheld from players in order for a player to be swayed in a direction he may not be comfortable with. Uh, basic crux of the note is that he's really doing this for the other players and especially the young players. He's doing it for the kids. Have you seen anything from the NFL that seems out of bounds in terms of their rules, which you know clearly are designed to strongly suggest you should get vaccinated? Is there anything from a legal standpoint where you're like, eh, they may have stepped over the line? Not even close. No, no. I, we, we've talked about many times. I mean, their situation is slightly different because of collective bargaining. Uh, but I think you saw the news today or yesterday dropped. Amazon has said everybody has to get vaccinated. We're coming back to campus. Uh, I think they, their plan is September. You're either vaccinated or you're fired. That's where Amazon has gone. And they and can they, do that. They can do that. They absolutely have a right to do that. Um, like I said, in the NFL situation, there's a collective bargaining agreement. I don't know the details of what's in that collective bargaining agreement, but I imagine in the medical side of things, that they probably cannot mandate it until the next collective bargaining agreement. Um, because I, I imagine that this has not been contemplated and is not included in there. See, this is what I, I keep failing to understand with all of this controversy, which is not once have I read they are forcing players to do it. It's these are the rules for the vaccinated players. These are the rules for the unvaccinated players. Yes, if you're unvaccinated, your life is going to be hell and it's going to be kind of boring when we go on the road. But there's nothing that is forcing these players to do so, right? So, like, where is all this rage coming from? Well, I think a lot of it comes from misinformation on some of the laws that have been put into place in certain states about, you know, we are against vaccine passports. And therefore, the, the impression that's left with the public is, oh, they can't treat vaccinated and unvaccinated people differently. That's not true. That's not what the laws say. Most of those laws in those states are 
superfluous. They're, they're nothing. Mm -hmm. they, they were a political statement that actually has no legal significance. In some of the other states where there is legal significance, it's talking about the treatment of the public, not treatment of employees. And so for the safety of your customers, can you, as an employer, treat employees differently based on their vaccination status? Yes. I, I'm, I'm unaware of any state law that runs counter to that. How many poor HIPAA lawsuits are we going to see try to be filed? <laughs> uh, none, none, because you won't find a lawyer to take them. I mean, like, like I've talked about for the last dozen years here, um, you know, HIPAA is the most misunderstood area of, of law that I've ever seen talked about in the public, especially from politicians. Um, you know, I've seen, you know, if they get asked in a, in a, by the press, you know, if they're vaccinated, they say that violates HIPAA. That's not true. HIPAA is about the disclosure of your medical uh, records and your billing records uh, from your medical provider to somebody else. Um, there's nothing to stop anybody from asking for them. You can say no. Um, that's that's the status of the law. Justin Watkins on uh, the pushback on vaccinations around the NFL on that Cole Beasley letter note uh, a brandon said he does have a point it's his choice if he wants to get the vaccine or not a manuel responded and it's the league's choice if he can play or not uh response to that was an employer can require it uh after that someone said nowhere in his contract that he signed does it say he has to get this vaccine and then immediately from there it says it's time to sue they need to pay him or leave him alone cut him pay him or leave him alone so what do you make of that whole Twitter attorney conversation there. I think it 100% depends on what's on the language of the collective bargaining agreement. Um, again, I haven't seen that. I don't know what it says. If it says that they can require vaccines um, and obviously wouldn't have anticipated a COVID vaccine, but talks about measles, mumps, and all the other things, then there's an argument that to be made that they can absolutely require all standard vaccines. Um, now, the question is, is this one considered in that category yet because it doesn't have full FDA approval and still under emergency use? That's a legal, I, I think, uh, boundary that we're at right now where some courts could interpret it one way or the other. Um, I do know that uh, some schools, universities, school districts are waiting for that before requiring all teachers and students, and some aren't. You saw the University of Indiana has said, everybody's got to do it. You're either fired or you're, you can't come to campus unless you uh, are vaccinated, fully vaccinated. And then some schools have said, you know, probably at the advice of their counsel, if we want to be safe, we wait until the FDA gives full approval and then we can mandate it because then it's in line with all of the other vaccines that we mandate before attendance. So the NFL has also put in a lot of stringent rules for the unvaccinated. Hey, there are rules to follow. Uh, Tom Palisaro sent out uh, tonight the NFL Send clubs, updated training, and uh, preseason COVID protocols, including discipline for any player, regardless of vaccination status, who refuses to wear a tracking device, can be fined $14,000, or refuses to submit uh, to required virus testing, that is $50,000. Again, uh, folks playing attorney on Twitter, uh, Daniel said, wow, some of these rules violate the new Florida state laws and other state laws for vaccine passports. Uh, another person said the NFL will lose a lot of court cases if they enforce some of these rules. Uh, again, I don't think so. This is collectively bargained. Most of the courts don't step on the toes of collective bargain agreements. Just because um, laws protect people in certain situations doesn't mean that they can't waive that. And collective bargaining rights, in essence, is a give and take. 
you have certain rights under the law that you may be waiving in response to them providing you some additional rights or different types of rights. The you got to remember the COVID protocol that is in place in the NFL was agreed upon. Um, and so we're operating under a collective bargaining agreement here that I don't see any lawsuit. And even if there wasn't a collective bargaining agreement, this does not violate the Florida law on vaccine passports because we're not dealing with the public being treated differently based on vaccination status. This would be employees. Um, and that's not prohibited under that under my reading of that law. I guess going back to the whole treatment of the unvaccinated and vaccinated also, I guess you could roll in some of the prizes that have been available around the country you know, in certain states that only vaccinated people were eligible for. What do you think of workplace incentives to kind of, you know, get over the top and uh, get everyone vaccinated? Are, are those cool? Uh, they're, they're definitely legal, if that's what you mean by cool. They're definitely legal. I mean, we're doing it. I did it today at, at oh, my you office. Are? I did it today. Ooh, really? We, we what, per, what percentage are we at here? Uh, let's see. Uh, we're somewhere in that 70% range. So we got about 30% to go. And I basically, I made a plea to all my employees. I don't want to force you to take it. I can legally, but I don't want to force you to take it. Um, you know, I will incentivize. I will provide a bonus to everybody who can prove that they've gotten a vaccine. Oh, and, wow. And here's why. We're about to go back to masks. We're up in the numbers on hospitalizations and deaths of near the peak. And if the next thing that's about to happen is lockdown, I don't know that we can do it again right. as a firm. I don't know that we can we can survive that under the same situation. Last lockdown at the very beginning, I told everybody, you have a job. You don't have anything to worry about. We are fine. We're going to be fine. But if we get another lockdown, a second one within 12 months uh, or 18 months, um, you know, at this point, I need everybody to be a, a team player as best they can to ensure to play their part so that, you know, 98 percent of the people who are hospitalized are unvaccinated. 98 percent of the deaths are unvaccinated. The unvaccinated at this point, from my perspective, are holding the vaccinated and the economy potentially hostage for whatever their reasons may be. And maybe they're good. Maybe they're bad. I don't know. I don't even want to know. I don't even want to get in the discussion about it. I just want everybody that can at my office to, put, to do their part to ensure that we continue to operate as an office, that we're not further locked down, that we're not sick, that I don't have to pay any more for any more tests for people because they were exposed to somebody that we have a 100% vaccination rate. That's my hope. Let's do a giveaway right now. Justin's going to stick with us uh, throughout the hour. Uh, 364-1100, caller 11-364-1100. Summer League tickets. Got two tickets to the Summer League. Caller 11, talk to Ari. 364-1100, Summer League is here on the ground, August 8th to the 17th, Thomas and Mack and the Cox Pavilion. 75 games, all 30 NBA teams are here. You can get your own tickets at unlvtickets.com. Special next-level prize, you can go to lvsportsnetwork.com and register to win four premium reserve tickets, and an NBA Summer League jersey. But right now, caller 11-364-1100 on the way back. Oh, the NFL's got a lot of situations. It's dealing with Deshaun Watson with all these allegations hanging over his head. Was at practice today. Your move, Raj. Call Battleborn Injury Lawyers, 702-570-9000, with your questions today. Manfred might have wrote the playbook for Goodell. It'd be, it'd be strange if Goodell did not follow Manfred's lead here and placing him, you know, placing Watson on the commission example is if Bauer just got it. Hanging at the Battleborne Broadcast Center, it's Cofield and Company. We'll see what happens. Bauer's obviously a former Cy Young Award winner, great talent, but, uh, you know, these are some pretty heavy allegations. I'm not, not quite sure what his defense is at this point, but uh, it's, it's not looking great for Bauer. 
All right, more legal situations in the world of sports. We need a legal insider every day of the week. It's crazy. Uh, Justin is our official ESPN Las Vegas legal insider. We talked to Dan Lust before. That was his voice coming in. He was on uh, Extra in San Diego. And how amazing is that with the Deshaun Watson story now developing to where Watson showed up to practice? He's like, all right, hey, no one said I can't, so I'm coming. We'll talk about what the NFL could do, will do. And he was uh, he was kind of pitting the situations uh, not against each other, but, you know, talking about Trevor Bauer in Major League Baseball and Deshaun Watson in the NFL. And it was kind of crazy to hear Rob Manfred may have set the precedent because <laughs> I think so many people out there, like the Major League Baseball commissioner, is a little, uh, you know, less than put together at times. So what do you think about the Watson situation now? I think they're drastically different situations. Okay, I do. I mean, the the allegation in Trevor Bauer is – physical abuse and sexual assault in a seriously bo- serious bodily harm fashion forced sex violent sex uh, unconsented to sex the allegations that are have been levied against Watson are not I'm not saying that I'm not promoting them but on the bandwidth, on, on, on the spectrum of sexual assault, they are on the lower end of sexual assault, which is an unwanted touching, an unwelcome touching, an unprofessional environment, with the exception of the one, the one complaint in which the uh, victim alleges that Watson guided her towards oral sex and that she, it was unwelcome. I, I don't know the, the particulars of that, but here, here's the deal. The NFL has been clearly in communication with the Houston police. The Houston police have clearly been um, hesitant to press to make any charges against Watson based on how this has come to them in the first place, which is it went into civil court first. They filed the complaint first. They said that they were cooperating with the police before they ever contacted the police. And that was clearly off-putting to the Houston Police Department. Um, And the investigation has been going on for what, we've been talking about it for three months now, Mm -hmm. and no charges have been filed. And so do I think the NFL is safe in what they're doing as compared to what the MLB is doing with Bauer? I do because I believe that Houston Police is probably tipping them off that there is not, they don't see anything worth worthy of charges. So while there may be some civil liability, maybe, um, I think what they're facing is we don't see this as criminal and that there's not going to be any criminal charges. Were you surprised that Watson's attorney said they're willing to settle with the accusers, but, uh, it won't be confidential. What's that move? So I, I think that that the context of that is being, sort of run with uh you know like if, if the question is hey would you be willing to settle They're like hey we might be willing to settle but we're not going to do it behind closed doors we right. might be willing to settle right which is much different than right like an affirmative right. statement let's that settle we're, we're like, ready to yeah. settle <laughs> he's not negotiating in the press that's right. not what that comment is right I, I i don't take it that way um the headlines read differently to me than what i believe the intent of those remarks were which is to say that if this thing does settle, if we are able to resolve this, because you ne- you're never going to say no. 
I'm never going to say no. Are you willing to settle? Because I don't know what the offers are out there, right? If these people, if these accusers offer to walk away for nothing, would I accept that? Yes, I would accept that. Is technically that a settlement? Yes, it is. Because I'm not making a claim against them for attorney's fees or costs for their frivolous lawsuit. It would be an agreed upon resolution. Um, yeah, I would I would agree to that. So I, I think expressing a, a willingness to settle a case does not necessarily mean what I think the public thinks it means. So, but if there was a statement affirmatively of like, yeah, we would like to settle with these people, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's slightly different. And I would, and I would be surprised if a comment came out of an attorney's mouth in this situation, in that fashion. Settlements are generally viewed as, as you're guilty, right? In terms of the other party. And it doesn't necessarily mean that money exchanges hands, right? They could agree to a numerous amount of things in a settlement in terms of this. So the, the non-confidential part is that Watson's just being like, we want to be upfront with this. We want to show the public like, yeah, sure, we're willing to settle. But if it's X, Y, and Z, you get to see this because my client, we don't feel that he is guilty in these situations. Right. We yeah. want you to see that there is no admission of fault, that maybe even actually in the other direction, that there could be an admission the other way, which is to say, you know, how could I see a settlement coming down here based on my experience? Something along the lines of, while I believe that the actions were unwanted, I never vocalized that to Mr. Watson. Uh, and therefore, as I, I understand that he may have believed that they were wanted. But in order to resolve this, we're going to sell the case for $50,000, mm-hmm. right? If that were out in the public, how would the public take that? I don't know that they would take that as an omission of liability on the part of Watson if that's what the facts are agreed upon by the two parties. I didn't want it, but I didn't say I didn't want it. Watson says, I thought she wanted it. Hmm. Flip the page. Let's get to um, an important issue developing right now. And I think it's going to be a really big story moving down the road. And that is mental health in sports. We've seen stories now with Simone Biles, our own Robin Leonard here with the Vegas Golden Knights, Paul George going back to the bubble, Naomi Osaka and dealing with the media I want your sports take first, but I also want you to react to this one. Pierce Morgan said, are mental health issues now the go-to excuse for any poor performance in elite sport? What a joke. Just admit you did badly, made mistakes, and we'll strive to do better next time. Kids need strong role models, not this nonsense. So from a sports standpoint and also your parent, what do you think of all this? I think a stronger role model is somebody who admits that they um, have mental lapses or mental weaknesses or emotional issues rather than somebody with false bravado that's number one um i don't i don't want my kids looking up to somebody who's some mr tough guy Uh, i don't want to be a dad who never admits that i'm wrong that never admits i'm vulnerable that never admits i'm weak um because i'm creating a a unlivable standard for my for my kids so I'm on the opposite side of the spectrum from Pierce Morgan on, in, the, in that comment. I, I, and it also sounds like a comment of somebody who's probably never competed at an elite level physically of anything because um, <laughs> that's that's just my take. I've seen a lot of that from uh, media people, but especially high-level athletes. And Well, can we – Yeah, there's, there's a ton of pressure. And the Olympics are – these Olympics are really weird too. Now, here's my take on, on Biles. I don't know anything about gym, gymnastics. But I will say when I watched that, her vault, and in real time, before the news had broke, right, they recorded it in real time as they're watching it, the color commentator immediately said she lost where she was in the air. Right. Like she she lost it. And and they asked her, 
does that happen? They said, yes, that can, that happens to every gymnast at some point. You just hope it doesn't happen in competition. I don't have any experience with that. So right. I got to defer to them. I have no idea, but I imagine if that is a real thing where you can lose your sense of up and down and balance and orientation, that doing tricks that nobody in the world is even willing to try is probably not a safe thing to do. Now, on the flip side, afterwards in her comments, where she says it's the mental aspect of things, it's hard to be the face of the Olympics. Here's where I think that a little bit of ownership on her part might have gone a long way. Because in every commercial break, what do I see? A Simone Biles commercial. She has agreed to marketing uh, all the different mm -hmm. all the different marketing that she does. Now, I'm sure she didn't agree to that marketing with the idea that it was going to add too much pressure for her to be able to take under the situation. But it has to have contributed because would she be the face of the Olympics had she not sought those those marketing and endorsement deals? I don't know. Who would they have gone to? Would it have been somebody else? So I, I do feel like in those comments, maybe they're they're maybe she would have gotten everybody else who who isn't as maybe as easy to convince as me would she have everybody there that said and part of it is i bit off more than i could chew i took on too much i accepted being the face of this i accepted the endorsements i accepted all the interviews and the pressure was too much i actually think it was framed oddly because she immediately said no it's not an injury i actually would consider it an injury like to lose spatial awareness, I actually think is a physical and mental issue. And she immediately talked about, you know, getting her mind right. And then it was mental health. And I think people are missing that there actually is an injury here. I, I want to let's build on this this way. Right. So you're seeing a lot of people like Pierce Morgan who are like, oh, this is a new excuse. Legitimately moving forward, what is going to happen in the average workplace? For what? For for <laughs> bosses when employees are like. Not feeling it today. I need a mental health day. Make some I don't now, know. many people can say, hey, I've been diagnosed bipolar. I've been diagnosed with something. I take medication. Right. I think it's going to be really interesting moving forward, managing the workplace. And that's not only for management, but it's also for your coworkers who are like, wait, they're not here. Like, I don't know. I just wonder if, or if someone can't work for like two months straight, then what the hell do you do to remedy the situation? If they're like mental health, sorry, can't do anything about it. I mean, I don't, I don't know how else to thorny to, subject, but to frame this other than it's going to be a, a matter of the supply demand of, of workers who are like that or who are willing to, you know, quote unquote, push through or not be like that. Right. If if I have, push through, I can't help it. Yeah. If I have to adapt to a workplace that has a lot of people in that in that space, then I've got to adapt. Frankly, if I don't have to adapt. If I've got plenty of good workers who are available to me all the time, who are, are available, and I don't have to give two months away out of the year of 12 months for to get their mind right, I'm probably not going to change. Yeah. That's just the fact of the matter, right? I want people who want to work. I'm going to ask people to work. The, I think the millennial generation, they are the, the backbone of the oh. workforce right now. Okay. okay, Right? They're the backbone of the workforce. You know, boomers were for a long time. There were 77 million boomers. There's 88 million millennials. They are the biggest generation we've ever had. Right. And I think that they have changed the workforce and the approach to work life balance because collectively they have said, I don't want to just work, you know, 60 hours a week, 
do the FaceTime, do the 8 a.m. to 6 p.m. and get the gold watch after 30 years. That's not the life I want to live. It's actually a good thing. And, and yes, boomers and uh, totally. Gen Xers like myself who are caught in between should actually embrace it and go, oh, you know what? They're actually forcing some change that is more pro-labor. Totally. Yeah, but, but Instead but, of being like, these damn kids without even taking throwing a, me over. They're, with, maybe they're not. Without even taking a side on it. The bottom line is, is today, if I want to hire somebody, I as a business owner have to be cognizant of it because there's more like that than not. If I want to be a dinosaur and not be receptive to this kind of worker, I'm going to be out of luck. I'm going to have a bunch of terrible workers because more, the best workers want that. They want to be heard in that regard to work-life balance and purpose in their job. And so we try to embrace that. JBT's got a follow-up on this because he wants to uh, rep the millennials, or maybe he doesn't, uh, but we'll have that on the way back. Call Battleborn Injury Lawyers, 702-570-9000, with your questions today. You spoke to Fleury just after this deal was reported. What was his reaction? I was one of the first people to speak with him, and he hadn't spoken to the Vegas Golden Knights yet, and that's shocking to me. I said, Flower, you're traded. We see, uh, apparently I am. No, Flower, you're traded. How do you feel? Are you okay? I don't know. He hadn't spoken to anybody from Vegas. You're listening to Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas. My Lord, there's so much to break down with some of the stuff around the flurry trade. That was uh, Kevin Weeks talking to uh, NHL Network about, again, this, it started with Alan Walsh, the agent, who sent out a thing early yesterday morning saying, hey, they didn't even tell him about the trade. And then McCrimmon, the GM, comes back in the afternoon. He's like, we were talking to him the whole time. I can't tell him at the moment because it wasn't official. Someone else leaked it. But that's the main narrative that's out there. Let's get to that in two minutes. John, I want your follow-up question on uh, millennials and the workplace and mental health. Yeah, so I'm just wondering if, if we're talking about this in the aspect of mental health, which I believe is very important, as an employer then do you come back and go, okay, but now we're taking this out of sick leave. This is part of sick leave. This is an illness. This is an issue. That's fine, but this is part of your sick pay that you have that is allocated to you. So it depends on the state that you're in um, and what kind of um, what kind of ailment we're discussing. So as we were talking off air, I told you in California, they have a very broad definition of disability where things like alcoholism, drug abuse can be considered a disability. So somebody comes in and they're hammered and they, you know, you, you can't just fire them in theory. Um, it depends on the circumstances, the type of job. There's a lot of caveats. Uh, if somebody comes in and says, you know, I, I'm not feeling well today. I need a, uh, you know, I'm mentally not there. In California, you know, what would that mean versus Nevada? In Nevada, I, I don't think you have to make that accommodation. I don't think that that's considered a recognized disability. To the extent that there is a recognized disability that is mentioned from the employee to the employer and a reasonable accommodation is requested, a reasonable accommodation must be made. So if the, if the accommodation is, I want to use one of my sick days, mm -hmm. I think that's reasonable and you would have to accommodate. If the accommodation is, listen, I have these issues from time to time. I can only work a three-day work week. I'll work 12 hours, so I'll get in 36 hours instead of 40, but it's only going to be three days a week. I know you guys are open five days a week, but I'm only going to do three. Probably unreasonable, and that accommodation doesn't have to be made. Rapid fire. I got 30 seconds for each. The hubbub around Flurry, the emotional part of it, the trade. 
Yeah, I mean, I'm disappointed to see him go, but I also always wanted to be a fan of an organization that wants to win and does makes the hard decisions to win. And uh, sounds like that's a team I'm cheering for. And one more, Spencer was asking, how do you guys see this new mask mandate disrupting, uh, or do you see the mask mandate disrupting any events at the Owl in the next couple of weeks? I don't see it disrupting anything. I mean, the, the only thing that it's indicative of me is that we're heading towards a very dangerous ground of more restrictions. And if you don't get vaccinated for your own purposes, please do it to save the economy. All right. 5709000 is the number. 5709000. It's Battleborn Injury Lawyers. All right. On the way back, we're going to continue our countdown, our Cofield and Company power rankings around the National Football League. We've done number 32. We've done number 31. Number 30 is on the way. The staff was not super high on the Jacksonville Jaguars. We'll see if one of the guys on the ground, actually the sideline reporter for the Jags, Rick Ballou in Jacksonville, is a little more bullish on those Jags. Stay up to date with the never-ending breaking news in the sports world on Greeny, featuring Mike Greenberg, weekday mornings at 10 on ESPN Las Vegas, KWWN AM Las Vegas.